Welcome to the Smiling Homeschooler Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Wilson. On this week's show, we are on part two of our four-part series on the whys of homeschooling, and we will be answering some of your questions. So let's get started. Here's my dad, Todd Wilson. Well, we just got back from uh, Dothan, Alabama. My wife and I, uh, uh, your mom, I guess, <laughs> your mom, Ben, you knew that. Yep. <laughs> um, um, we just uh, were speaking at uh, Ridgecrest, a homeschool group down in a big old church down there. It was a huge group. I love speaking to this group in Ridgecrest because they have to come and listen to me. It's part of like their group. And I love speaking to a group where they are like made to listen to me. But we had a super fun time. Not only did we have a great time at the um, the, the homeschool group, uh, but we got a little R&R um, where we stayed in uh, – Panama City Beach. Uh, we'd never stayed there before, and it was a lot of fun. The weather wasn't perfect, but we did have a few hours of sunshine each day, so we got to lay out in the sun and talk and be re- remember what it was like to be married. And you know, more importantly to your mom, to my wife, um, was that we got to talk about the upcoming year. You know, not just homeschool because my wife's kind of got that under control, um, but those things that uh, dads need to take care of. You know, like. Our chore charts have like dissolved, and uh, we used to, you know, one kid used to do uh, the, the all the dishes on Monday, and then Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And, but now we have kids who are not living in the house, working all the time, and they're going. Back. And so, how do we rearrange this? So we talked about it, and uh, we decided, you know, we kind of made some adjustments. I'm going to draw that up, but it felt so refreshing just to have some talking time together. By the way, just a little uh, side note, if you're uh, interested, you could have me come and speak to your group. I would love to do that. Um, Just contact us through the smilinghomeschooler.com. There's a contact page there. Um, And if you're close, it works out really good. Or maybe I'm passing through. Uh, We could come and speak to your group as well. Uh, It does feel there's just a hint of fall out in the outside, which I I, I think I told you last time I hate that hint of fall, uh, but it's I think it's here to stay. Hey, I got a uh, oh I can hear Renly in the background there. Um, I got a uh, a a what? I got a, an email from uh, a homeschool mom from Suzanne Shepard, and she was saying that she had just she saw me at a homeschool convention. And she listened in on a workshop called Taming the Techno Beast, where we talk about technology and how to get it under control. Because in our family and your family, it needs to get under control. But she said she just found a book at a used, like a used book sale. And she said it was amazing. Um, and it was called Aunt Chip and the Great Triple Creek Dam Affair. Um, kind of a weird title, but it has to do with this this small community. It's like a little, uh, you know, it's a read aloud or a community where everyone stops reading, you know, and they only watch television. And it kind of talks about, you know, what goes on and what how things change. And she said it is a great, great book. So if you're looking for a great book, maybe to that might have a little bit of message to it, something to read aloud to your kids. And of course, homeschooling, you get a read aloud all the time. It's called Ant Chip and the Great Triple Creek Dam Affair. So, and dam is D-A-M, just to clarify that. But I know that Ben uh, is a huge reader. He reads way more than I do. Uh, You know, I don't know where he gets it, but he is a huge reader. And uh, Ben, I'm going to ask you to go maybe go back into your childhood memories. And what were some of the, your favorite books that um, mom read to you? Because I know that... uh, 
we we did sunlight uh, the sunlight curriculum, which had a lot of reading. Uh, now we use the Trailblazers Guide and Sunlight, and we do a lot of reading. And uh, but what were some of your favorite books? Do you think, Ben? Uh, sorry about Renly there. I don't know what uh, what's wrong with her back there, but um, <laughs> so some of my favorite books. I remember Mom used to read to us a lot uh, for school, uh, and obviously those I didn't read myself, but I remember uh, I think it was like Red Sails to Capri, I think, or something like yeah, that. That was one of them. I remember that time. That, yeah, that one's really good. That was a Sunlight one. I mean, me personally, I love Swiss Family Robinson's one of my favorite books. Ever. I probably read it more than, well, maybe not more than anything, but close. Uh, so that was one of my favorites. Uh, and the movie's awesome, awesome too. Uh, we also, Treasure Island, I like that one. Uh, I'm trying to think. I used to have these like little, they're like little big books, I think they called them or something like that. They were real old, but I collected a bunch of them and they were mm-hmm. basically like uh, abbreviated versions of the uh, classics and stuff like that, or abridged versions. Do you remember like the uh, Sign of the Beaver and. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, for sure. Um, how about the uh, the Great Turkey Walk? I just saw that one sitting upstairs. I remember that one. I remember by the Great Horn Spoon, I think it was called, which was uh-huh. one of my favorites. And carry on, Mr. Jim Weiss says Bowditch. I think it was Bowditch, but I mean, no. It is Bowditch. You think it's like a Baldo boat. Yeah, it's I not guess. Bowditch. And then that's how I always pronounce it was Bowditch. And then also, uh, um, oh, I blanked. Uh, what was the one you just said before? Uh, uh, the Great Turkey Walk. Oh, and then obviously Little House on the Prairie. Those were awesome. Okay. Uh, Amy John- Annie Johnson said Red Sails to Capri was their family's favorite as well, which I think is uh, totally awesome. Is that the one where it had like a blue I don't know. I can't remember something? what it was about. What was it about? I don't remember other than I think they go under like underwater in this like cave. It's just full of blue g- gems or something. I don't know. It's something like that, but I don't remember specifically. But uh uh, we also listen to a lot of audiobooks, so it's hard to remember which ones we read and which ones we listen to by audio. Well, I, I know you like like those the more of the history ones. I always like the ones like Homer, what's his name, and his donut oh, yeah, machine. That was a good one. Mr. Popper's Penguins and um, some of those that oh, were yeah. just uh, Twenty One Balloons. I think it was uh, Twenty One like Balloons. I yeah, I remember that one. that one. That was super cool. The whole island's built on diamonds or something like that. So right, classics. <laughs> yeah, classics, classics. Well, moms, um, you know, again, you can check out some of those books. Check out, you know, Aunt Chip and the Great Triple Creek Dam Affair, uh, or maybe go to uh, Sunlight uh, Curriculum, or again, Trail Geyser, Trail Blazers Guides. They have some great books that are history based, um, you know, but also fun to read. Fun memory times of uh you know kind of snuggling up and listening to different books and i know some kids you know some kids always complain uh even ben and uh sam who loved they would sometimes complain about certain books but i I know they would they begin reading and they always got caught up in them so don't listen to your kids because they're not smart enough to know what's good for them um read them anyway hey today we're going to uh, do part two of our four-part series um, kind of the, remember last time we talked about, these are the reasons why we homeschool. These are the things that put smiles on our face. And last time we talked about how home is the best place for your kids, for our kids, you know? And so, uh, if you didn't hear that show, make sure you listen to it. But this time we're going to do the second one. 
So we believe home is the best place for kids. And number two, we believe parents are the best teachers of their children. And I know some of you moms listening right now are kind of like nodding your heads in disagreement and going, you've got to be kidding me. Now, I didn't say the best teachers in the whole world. You know, if you want to find a smart teacher, you know, or someone smarter than you, they're a dime a dozen. You know, there's always someone smarter than you. There are better teachers, but but you're the best teacher of your children. You know, in fact, way in the, you know, from the beginning of creation, that's the way it always was. You know, that's the way God designed it. He, you know, he knew parents or kids, these these kids that he was creating, they needed someone to teach them. So he gave them imperfect parents and he said, here, you teach them everything they need to know. And that's the way it was for a long, 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 long time. But then somewhere along the way, um, Maybe when that, you know, that, as we talked last week, that, that one-room schoolhouse or that, that institution began to say, no, that's not true. Parents are okay for some things. They're okay for, you know, bandaging boo-boos and hosting birthday parties and, and uh, you know, tucking your kids into bed at night or, or maybe even reading a bedtime story, but they're not qualified to teach your children. And that, of course, is baloney. That is not true. In fact, we believe that parents are the best teachers of their children. Um, uh, uh, you know, and really, I saw that it kind of demonstrated, and Ben probably remembers this. Um, it was on an Andy Griffith show that kind of like it just felt like an, it was right in my face of this is not what I believe, but what the world believes. And it was this episode where, um, and Andy Griffith is like a favorite at our house. Um, Andy Griffith, uh, his son, Opie, Opie Taylor, he comes back from school one day and he's got this paper and it's all marked up in red. And uh, his dad sees it, you know, Sheriff Taylor, and he's like, hmm, what's this, Ope? And Opie's like, oh, that's history, Dad. You know, I just don't understand all the dates and, and they're hard to remember. And, and his dad says, oh, that's just history. It doesn't really matter. Well, the next day, Opie goes back and he tells his teacher, Miss Crump, who's like his perpetual teacher forever, uh, says my pa says school doesn't or that history doesn't really matter and miss crump is all bent on a shape and she is mad and she goes down to the sheriff's station and she doesn't kick open the door but she opens it fairly forcibly and uh you know she gets in sheriff taylor's face and she says you know sheriff you i'll leave the sheriffing to you and then she said and you leave the education of your children up to me and i thought you know she said it that's what the world kind of thinks. There's you're okay for some things, but you're not good enough for teaching your children. Here's the deal. Some of you moms are starting to believe that as well, and it's not the truth. You know, you're buying into their buying into that gunk that experts are the only ones who know any better. And that's not true. It's just not true. You know, in fact, you lay awake um, most nights thinking about your children. You think about how you can meet their needs better. And, and I'm telling you, no no paid teacher ever feels that way about her students. Even the amazing, great ones don't feel that way. In fact, my wife, she'll wake up in the morning and I'm, I look at her and her head looks like it's spinning. You know, the wheels are spinning. And I'm like, what are you thinking about, honey? And she'll say, oh, you know, I'm just feeling like my little kids are getting, uh, I'm not meeting all their needs. And my middle kids are getting lost in the shuffle. 
my older kids, you know, they're all grown up and yet I still am not meeting some of those needs. I don't feel like I got to talk to them and I'm not meeting your needs and I'm not being a very good friend. And I'm not being a very good daughter. I'm not being a very good this. And I'm like, wow, that's a lot of stuff. She goes on for like 10 minutes. And then she looks at me and she says, what are you thinking about? And I'm like, nothing. And, you know, what's for breakfast? <laughs> you know, but moms, your minds are always thinking about them. You know, in fact, we believe that parents are the best teachers of your children. That means you're the best teacher for your children. And I know you're like, I don't believe you, Todd, because you don't know me. You know, here's the truth. If you get my book, Lies Homeschooling Moms Believe, one of those truths says this. Um, we believe that God gave your children exactly the mother they needed. You know, let me say it again. God gave your children exactly the mother they needed. And again, some of you moms are saying, yeah, Todd, you don't know me. You know, I'm lazy. We don't cover very much stuff in school. You know, we barely drag ourselves out of bed in the morning and we don't get very much done. How can that be good for your children? I know this, that you with those qualities are perfect for your children. And yet others are saying, yeah, Todd, but I'm the, those are the fun moms. I'm the one who takes all fun out of life. If I don't have my kids in tears by 930, I don't think I've done my job well. How can that be good for my children? I don't know. But no, I'm just kidding. Uh, my wife would say that was her camp. I know this, that you with those qualities are perfect for your children. You know, and I know sometimes, uh, you know, your kids might say, yeah, but mom, you're no fun. You make everything so hard. From now on, you need to say, and that's exactly the kind of mother God knew you needed. So when you go to bed tonight, you can thank him. You know, because it's the truth. It's the truth. You got to stop beating yourselves up. My sister-in-law, who is an amazing homeschooler, I'm, I'm, I remember one time she was thinking about not homeschooling. And when I, I said to her, I said, Dawn, you're thinking about not homeschooling? And she like whirled on me like a bear. And she said in this like agitated voice, I feel like I have wasted the last 15 years of my life, she said. I feel like my I feel like my kids would be better off if anyone were teaching them but me. Do you know why she said that? She said that because she'd forgotten. She'd forgotten this truth. You know, I mean, really, you know your kids better than anything. You know what what works for them, you know what doesn't work for them, you know what brings them joy, what brings them sorrow, what you know, you know your kids. I mean, even Ben and Rissa, they their little daughter Renly, she's um, you know, eighteen months old. I mean, they know her way better than anybody else. I mean, we get to watch her frequently, um, you know, and and I I know them her pretty well, but not like them. You know, they know her, um, you know, and so uh, you need to know that you know your kids better than anybody else. In fact, I remember one time we were at a uh, at a at a homeschool camp, and uh, we'll talk about maybe the more of that homeschool camps maybe. In the winter months when you could be planning to go to a homeschool camp. Um, but we went to a homeschool camp and they brought in an expert who was a public school teacher for 30 years. And she came in to tell, tell us all these tell us as tell us as all homeschoolers, you know, maybe some tricks and things how to teach our children better. And, you know, we're up for that. And and as she's talking, running through all these things, these textbook type things, um, someone asked a question, well, how many children do you have? And she goes, oh, I don't have any children. And she said, but I do have a lot of cats. And I wanted to raise my hand and said, say, well, then you should be telling us about cats. Because teaching your own children is nothing 
like teaching someone else's children. In fact, I have uh, uh, school teachers who will say to me all the time who homeschool their own kids. They'll say, yeah, I taught in the school system for 15 years and nothing prepared me for teaching my children. So don't you think just be if you have a teaching degree, it makes it so much easier. Wrongo. You know, it's just hard teaching your own children. But this also means you know what's best for your kids. That means you can teach them in the way that you like, the way that you know that they like or don't like. So if you like unit studies, do unit studies. But if you don't like changing your, you know, decorating your family room like a spleen, then don't do it and don't feel guilty. If you like classical classical um, studies, go ahead and do classical studies. But if you don't like the classical philosophy, don't do it and don't feel guilty. You know, if you like to do workbooks or you don't like to do workbooks, you do what you think works best for you. You know, my wife, she doesn't like dinosaurs. You know, I hope Ken Ham's not listening because she doesn't like dinosaurs. And she, you know, but she feels all this guilt like, oh, I got to teach kids about, you know, dinosaurs. And she goes, I don't like dinosaurs. I don't care if they're a Brachiosaurus or a Diplodocus or whatever they are, a Pachycephalosaurus. And I said, well, honey, then don't teach them about dinosaurs. And she's like, yeah, but, you know, everybody tells you you got to teach them about dinosaurs or they'll walk away from Jesus. And I'm like, that's not true. That's I said, you didn't know anything about dinosaurs. And look how you turned out, turned out. You know, in fact, I have moms who think, well, yeah, but I don't know enough to teach them. <sighs> Big deal. You turned out just great. And maybe you didn't have all, all those gaps weren't filled in you. Um, but the truth is, God gave your children exactly the mother they need. That means you also get to, you know, pick the curriculums and the subjects that you want. Um, and you don't need to feel guilty about it. You know, you know, um, again, one time I was with my wife and we were at a homeschool convention and and she said, uh, uh, you know, hey, Todd, could you go with me? I want to go talk to one of the curriculum creators because they're here and um, I'd like to see their, get their thoughts on some areas and check out their product. And I said, yeah, I'll go. And so we went and um, she said, we're talking to this guy and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, what you ought to do is this. And my wife says, no, that's I really I've been thinking about doing this and been thinking about a long time and I've got these kids. And and he goes, oh, I think that's a mistake. And after a while, she said, she said, no, I think the way I'm thinking is, you know, the toward the strength. And he goes, no, I think you're wrong. And after a few minutes, I wanted to say, excuse me, sir, do you know who I am? And I'm the parent. You know, I know my kids. You've never even met my kids. And you're telling us what's good for our children. You don't know, you know. And so, mom, you do what works best for your child. Um, you know, if you miss something, it doesn't matter. You know, a math kid's going to be a math kid, whether you like doing whether you teach them enough math or not. A science kid will be a science kid, whether you teach them enough science or not. Uh, I heard about a lady who is like the head of a Silicon Valley, you know, giant. And she was from China and was raised in a dump. You know, she didn't even have any parents teaching her anything. Your kids are going to be okay. And we're going to talk about that next week. Um, but I just feel, I feel so sad for some of you moms who feel like you're just not capable or you're not good enough to teach your children. Um, not only are you, not, are you good enough, you are the best. And people ask, well, what about high school? What about when we get to high school? And and uh, am I qualified to teach high school? And I'm like, are you qualified? Here's how you can tell. You take a mirror and you hold it under your nose. And if it fogs up, 
you're qualified to teach high school um, because it's no different than teaching kindergarten. It's just, you know, again, you're the parent. So you grow with them. You do your relationships a little bit different. Um, you ha add some things, but you are still as qualified to teach high school as you are to teach any other area for your children. In fact, um, the guys over at Teaching Textbooks, uh, Greg Sabori, uh, one of the, the brothers who um, started Teaching Textbooks, um, he does, gives a great talk on why high school is the best time to homeschool. Um, and I don't know if they have that uh, audio available anymore, but you can ask them. Uh, tell them Todd sent you. Um, and so, Mom, that kind of that that's that's point number two. So, uh, Ben, I know you mute, muted yourself. Are you still muted? Nope, not now. I can. And I wondered if uh, anybody had any comments along the way there. I haven't any questions since uh, I think a few people uh, weren't sure who, who they were watching. So uh, <laughs> that's one drawback of you not having a camera. But we did have a couple questions I, um, from earlier that uh, aren't from right this moment, but I think you could maybe answer. And one of them you kind of brushed over it a little bit earlier, um, but was how many hours a day do you did we do school, would you say? I mean, what was your guys' philosophy on that? Well, our philosophy was you should be able to get done before lunch. Um, and they're saying, is that for the little kids? No, that's for everybody. Um, because, again, as I think I mentioned last week, the important things don't happen when the books are open. The real learning takes place after the books are closed. Um, and I can remember as a kid, I mean, as a young kid, um, thinking, uh, you know, because I went to public school thinking, man, this is a waste of time. You could take everything that was important and boil it down into 15 minutes. And, and and this is this is my thinking as you know as as a third grader, um, I believe the same thing now uh, that you know really only takes a couple hours. And then in the afternoons, our kids had time to do the things they wanted to do. Um, my second oldest son Sam, he did computer stuff. Um, my my third oldest son Ike, he would maybe weld or. Abe might build something in the garage or the, even now my little kids are doing Lego or doing whatever. But even that is important learning as they're interacting amongst each other. I think some of you moms are killing yourselves by doing way too much. Um, I'll, I'll talk to my mom, to my mom. I'll talk to moms and my wife will even say to me, oh, man, I talked to this mom and she said she was exhausted. She was doing like six hours of school a day. And when I asked her how old her kids was, she goes, I don't have I only have one child and they're like four. And so, you know, that's just that's overkill. Mm -hmm. So, again, I think the, the idea is that we don't need to be copying the school, uh, the institution, how they're doing it. I think logically um, we can get a lot done in just a short period of time. In fact, I think if you're going too long, you're fatiguing your kids. They're going to get to a point where they don't like school um, and they don't like home, you know, and you won't like it either because it's just too fatiguing. For sure. Um, and then one other question someone did have, and, you know, I don't, if you want to answer this is just for the, uh, show or versus the podcast, but, um, Melissa had asked a couple, uh, week or so ago, how did you decide to homeschool you and mom? Oh, that, you know, that's a pretty good question. Well, uh, we decided, um, like everyone else, it's kind of a process. And then God kind of just whispers it in your ear and says, what do you think about homeschooling? Um, but you know, Debbie and I, I came from a public school. Uh, my wife came from a, a Christian school. We just thought that's what we would do, something like that. 
Um, in fact, I can remember when uh, Ben was just a little tiny kid. I mean, one, two. Um, I thought, you know, what I want to do is I want him in the school system so we can be salt and light, so we can win our community to Christ. And then, you know, when our kids started hanging out with their kids and, you know, there was a kid not two doors down from us, three doors down. If she didn't have pot hanging from the ceiling, drying, I would have been really surprised. And after a while, I thought, I there's no way I'm going to put my kids with these kids all day long because I could have some really great intentions and they will not they will not they will not believe what I believe. They will learn and believe what they're surrounded by all those hours. So, you know, it was kind of like uh, it was pretty clear that we were going to have to figure out some way to uh, not put our kids in a school setting. And even my wife would say that, you know, it wasn't her idea at first. She was like, there's no way I could do that. And uh, I had to kind of talk her into it. And, and even, you know, early on, it was kind of like, oh, I don't know if we can do this. But somewhere along the line, we just kind of, you know, we stuck down our standard in the sand and said, nope, we're not. There's no other way. We're not doing anything different. This is what we're going to do. And, uh, you know, once you've decided that uh, and take those other options off the table, it makes it a lot more doable. So, we uh, Stacy Brown, who's been commenting a little bit here for the past few minutes, um, she said, "Not sure how big of an age difference your kids are, but we uh, have an adopted 14-year-old and are doing some preschool with our uh, three-year-old." Uh, my question is, do you have any suggestions on uh, how you can teach both at the same time? And uh, I'm 25, and the youngest is 10, I think. Yeah, so there's 15 years difference there. So. Uh, we do have that large gap, but Dad, if you want to answer, you can. And I think you kind of actually well, answered this on the other yeah, podcast as well. Yeah, we did. Um, you know, we did. Like Ben and Sam, they're they're less than two years apart. They kind of did the same thing. Um, it wasn't like we drew, pulled Ben back and pushed Sam forward. We just taught them together as a unit. You know, there is so much I think that big kids and little kids can learn together. Now, when you're talking about math, that's a little bit differently different. Um, but, you know, when you read a story like the whatever, the Red Sails of Capri, um, everybody loves listening to that. Um, and you can do a, a lot of that together. Um, and maybe they're in the same room and then, you know, you're working with one and the other one's doing his own little thing. And then you're working with that one and the other one's coloring in a picture. Um, do you get as much accomplished? Probably not. But it is a way more it is a way better way to learn. Because, you know, all our children grow up thinking they're just part of a family. They're not the center of the universe. The world doesn't revolve around them. They're part of something, uh, something wonderful. So that when they grow up and they have their own families, they believe the same thing then as well. Okay, well, let's, let's just bring it to a close, Ben. Um, you know, next week we're going to talk about part three. Um, it's probably my favorite part. I'm not even going to tell you what it is because I just want you to be surprised. Um, but again, Mom, if you're... If you're struggling with that feeling of like, oh, man, I'm just, I'm just I don't know if I can do this. I, be, I I know God has enabled you to do it. You know, he gave your children exactly the mother they needed. That's you. And uh, there's no one better for them than you. Um, let me just give you a little tip of the day. So uh, here's I'd like to give you just one little thing that maybe you can implement this week. I saw over at Facebook someone had uh, left a comment. Um, 
that I had spoken again in Dothan, Alabama, and they had written up a little thing that said, today I'm going to smile, you know, because I encourage them to make yourself smile. Even if you're a mom who likes to have a schedule and you need to write it down, write it down in your planner. Okay, fourth or whatever, seven seven thirty or ten thirty. Smile at my kids. So when you get there, you can go. Oh yeah, I'm gonna smile. Um, here's my little tip: if you're feeling weighed down by one of those things that maybe you've already started school. If you haven't started school, way to go. <laughs> but if you have, and you're feeling, you know, you have that one thing that you hate during the day, you know, whether that's a particular subject, maybe you just don't like to do that little. Uh, science thing that you bought the little kit or you know or if it's piano lessons or it doesn't matter what it is if there's that one thing you hate doing you know your kids hate doing it can i just encourage you to pitch it just get rid of it pack it up sell it on ebay you know dump it away give it to goodwill get rid of it and then don't feel guilty um because you don't need to feel guilty because you don't need to cover everything uh i would do the things that bring make you smile and the things that make your kids smile. And some of those other things you kind of just plug away at. Well, hey, um, we're out of time. I'm going to let you go. I hope this is a smiley week for you because you have a lot to smile about. Um, until next time, don't forget to keep smiling. Thanks for listening today. We hope you'll join us next week as we discuss part three of our series on the whys of homeschooling. If you have any questions for us, you can send them to ben at thesmilinghomeschooler.com. Also, don't forget to like our Facebook page, and as always, keep smiling.